Well, so we get to Mary, this fourth week, final Sunday of Advent. We light the Advent candle of peace, but Mary isn't a likely candidate for peace, right? Things are all tore up for Joseph, for Mary, and yet the amazing thing that captures my spirit in all of the things she could be saying or doing, she's writing a song to Jesus. She's given him glory that the God of all grace and glory would love her so much, he would make her a part of his life. Trini, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you humbled to be in worship this morning? Do you recognize that you're still part of the story? Do you realize that the, the Advent Sunday, which sums up Advent in a word, is that God wants you to be part of his amazing story? Does that humble you? I mean, I'm amazed by it. My brother Doug and I were talking a little bit about my dad. Man, he put up a resistance to the gospel. He has a soft heart for Jesus Christ right now. He really loves the Lord. But I remember when I was in high school, first, man, everything I ever did, I could sum it up. Dad had this little uh, way that he was saying, son, don't you give me a hard time. I want to hear about your mouth. And he'd start pumping his, his chest. This is my house. And if you're under my house, under my roof, you're going to do as I say. And if you don't, there's going to be two hits. I'm going to hit you and you're going to hit the floor. You got that? Yes, Dad. Man, he repeated that narrative so many times in my life. But do you know something happened to my dad? I was out throwing a baseball out front with another guy. We were warming up a little, going to go have a little league baseball game. They brought my dad home, and he'd slipped into a coma. They thought he was having a major coronary. That wasn't what was happening. They later diagnosed but the oxygen was being cut to his body and uh, put him unconscious. Now, my dad didn't tell me this until years later. But he said that in the three days or so where he was unconscious, that God came to him and spoke to his heart. That God was going to use some of his family members, his children to be a witness for his son and God wanted to change his life. Well, my dad was the last one in my family to accept Jesus Christ. But he later told that as a testimony when he was preaching it to one of my churches on Father's Day. How does God do it? How does he take people that, that would be the most unlikely people to be Part of the story. Some truck driver from, from Millville that's got a bad attitude about the church. A peasant girl doesn't have two nickels to, to rub together in a town of 50 people. But there are things that marked Mary's life that are astounding. First of all, and, and, and I'm pretty sure I'd put you to sleep and it wouldn't take two minutes. Uh, if I started telling you the theological doctrines that arose in the history of Christianity because of Mary. First of all, Mariology. You know, that, that strikes me. 
There's no Smithology or Ronology, and I don't know if you, you got a name either, you know, in there. But Maryology. More people named Mary in the last 2,000 years than any other name as far as women go by far. Theotokos. That's the doctrine of how a human being could come to have the Son of God. The Immaculate Conception. A lot of people think that's about Mary and Jesus, but that's just about Mary and women. The Immaculate Conception dealt with this theological problem. If Mary was under the curse of Adam's fallen race, even if the Holy Spirit is the one who made Mary conceive Jesus, she's still a human being on her part. That spells half contamination from Adam's fallen race. But Jesus had no sin. So they came up with a doctrine talking about how God dealt with Mary in her life with original sin. Perpetual virginity. There are some who believe that, that Mary was, was never in a sexual relationship, even as a married woman, after Jesus. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does say that she had no relationship with a man until after the birth of Jesus. But the Bible pretty strongly intimates that Jesus had uh, brothers and sisters. But all of these doctrines around Mary, Mary had none of it. She didn't think she was anybody. But she knew she was somebody that could represent everybody by being three things personally with Jesus Christ. And here they are. I hope you remember them. They're just three C's. I don't preach like that a lot of time where I grab a, you know, one little uh, piece of alliteration and go, but I'm giving you three C's today. Mary was constant in worship. She was consistent in discipleship and she was committed to Christ's plan. Let's look at it again. Constant in worship, consistent in discipleship and committed to Christ's plan. Constant in worship. When all hell looked like it's breaking loose on her earthly plan of doing one thing, being married in a sleepy little quiet town of 50 to a guy who was going to be a carpenter in that town, and it seems like all hell breaks loose, Mary believed it was just the opposite. She trusted God and she worshiped in the midst of the difficulty. One thing I love about our time at Trinity is you worship well in your funeral services here. Next Saturday, we're going to have a time of worship celebrating uh, the gift of Etta Jane's life. Brother Glenn will be here with me. Uh, he had a quarter of a century with Miss Etta Jane. As I was serving her communion, and Deb was with me because Deb wanted to tell Etta Jane that uh, her brother loved her. She taught Deb's brother. I think Deb is related to everyone, by the way. If you can have a talk with her, you're either in her family or she knows the history of the word of your family and uh, she's been fun. But she said, Miss Etta Jane, you taught my brother. You're a part of our lives. And as she was suffering, really suffering, uh, I said, you feel, you feel it so, so much. Here I am sitting here visiting you, but you feel it. And she said, Oh, I do feel it. And I said, Miss Etta Jane, as you feel the suffering, 
I want you to do one thing. I want you to remember the people at Trinity and wherever you were in your life that taught you in Bible school, that taught you in Sunday school, that ever did anything in Christian fellowship with you. And remember many of the old timers because you're going to be with them. God has perfected all that concerns them and soon God is going to perfect all that concerns you. You see, things like cancer can't define our lives. They, cancer is not the final commentary on your life, but Jesus Christ can be and wants to be. Mary worshiped when it got to difficulties because she wanted her God to be in the center of her life. Hey, wouldn't this be a great challenge for all of you here at the end of 2018? Why not take Mary's example and, and put a challenge for yourself in the new year? Why not make the year 2019 the year where you attend more worship services and you worship Christ more than you ever have in your life? And don't settle for secondary things. Don't say, I'll do it if I have friends to go with me. Don't let it matter who's preaching or, or, or who's leading the service. Let it matter who you've come to worship. Make Christ the center of your worship. And why not do it more in 2019 than you've ever done it in your life? I'll tell you, if you do, you're going to grow into a spiritual giant. You are. You're going to have a faith like Mary's that was unshakable. Not only was she not shaking... She had a peace that passed understanding. She's leading the hymn saying. It's amazing the attitude this woman had. The scholars say she's between 12 and 16 years of age. For every mom and dad in this place, that's your girl, your little girl. It's the mother of God in scripture. Huh? Maybe it's mom and dad that was shaken. But I'll bet you they had to come to terms with it when they heard their daughter singing praise to God and worship. And do you know something? Throughout the rest of her life, she is consistent in discipleship. She is following Jesus. She's there in the first miracle when he turned the water into very good wine. And you know what she said to all the people? You do whatever my son says. You see, that's just the opposite of my mom. She says... Uh, if my son does anything to you, you tell me and we'll take care of that. His dad will take care of him at home. But Mary's saying, do whatever my son tells you to do. And they did. And there was miracles everywhere. Mary was with Mary and Martha when their brother died. She was consistently with the women that were ministering to Jesus and the disciples. The Bible says the disciples stood far off in the event of the cross. But Mary was close enough to her son on the cross where her son could say one of his seven sentences. He said, uh, Mom, look at John. He's your son now. John. Look at my mother. 
She's your mother now. You see, one of the events Jesus did on the cross, and it's why he came as the babe in Bethlehem's manger, is he wants your family to be part of his family. He wants your story to be part of his story. Man, I'm so excited about the five o'clock service that the children are going to be dressed up the way they are, and they're going to be part of the story. And all of us are going to be rich because they have a story to tell us. No telling what will happen. Just no telling. But I'll tell you what the outcome's going to be. No matter what happens up there, something's going to happen in each of us in here. You come on. You come on 5 o'clock Friday night. Or not Friday night. Don't do that, please. You come on Christmas Eve, December 24th. That's Monday night, isn't it? Shake your head if I got that one right. I've been to too many Christmas parties. Anyway, <laughs> something's going to happen in here. And you know what? Something might happen with one of these kids. You have a fair chance it'll be a Rambo. But anyway, you know, something's <laughs> going to happen with one of these kids. And I'm going to feel like it's my kid. I'm going to thrill. I'm going to rejoice. <laughs> because the fact is, God has made you, and he's made me, and he's made my dad a convert to be part of his story. Brothers and sisters, there's something to be said about consistently following Christ. You could count on the fact that Mary was a follower of Christ, and in Jesus' last words from the cross, her son told her that she's now part of a giant family, the family of God. Do you know what the Bible says about the church, that it's the family of God? It says it's the family after which every family in heaven and earth is named. Man, we're not playing games at Trinity. This isn't about us. It is not about us. It's way bigger than us. But guess what? Here's the part that is about us. He wants every one of you. All of us, undeserving. What's a peasant girl from a town of 50 have to offer? Well, I'll tell you what she has to offer. More women are named after her than all the other women combined. Why? She loved him. She got it done. She showed up. She was consistent in discipleship. She was constant in worship. And finally, she was committed to Christ's plan. What mother wanted her baby to die an agonizing death on a cross? You tell me that. Any of you mamas here? What mom could stand the idea of seeing her son tortured? But do you know what Mary did? Mary trusted her son's plan. Why? Because she had the kind of religion that wasn't just in her head and it wasn't just in her heart. Her head... And her heart met as one, and mind, body, and spirit came together. We're all messed up in the United States. It's against the law not to train the mind. It's against the law not to feed the body. But you can do anything about the spirit. You don't even have to tend to your spiritual life. And that's not against any law. And yet philosophers for 5,000 years have been saying, whether they've been religious or not, the spirit is the greatest part of a human being.
Mary's spirit came together with a heart and mind that was on the same page. I love the phrase that's most commonly linked to Mary's name. Mary pondered these things in her what? Hey, how do you ponder in your heart? I think you need a head to ponder in your heart. But that's just the point. Mary felt so overwhelmed that her humble life could ever be a part of the story of Jesus. Her head and her heart got together because when she kissed her baby boy, as the song says, she kissed the face of God. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, the thing that makes us sing hallelujah along with the praise band is God wants you. No matter where you've been, no matter what your transgression, no matter how humble your circumstances, no matter how difficult your circumstances, God wants you to be a glorious part of this story. And in Christ Jesus, he's done everything to put you there. Hallelujah. 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 You are the family of God by the act of God. Now trust him. Be constant in worship. Be a consistent disciple. And be committed to his plan. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.